back to. So, okay. <laughs> I'm starting. Uh, I'm starting the recording. Okay. <laughs> So, hello and welcome to our podcast today from a very stormy Scotland to Canada. Welcome, Dr. Andrea Webb. And if you would like to introduce yourself, that would be fabulous. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, hi, my name is Andrea Webb, and I'm coming from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil people in what is known in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Um, and I work at the University of British Columbia. Uh, my, I come from uh, the Faculty of Education, mm -hmm. but I like to think that I work from the faculty out towards the rest of the university. Um, and my primary engagement in that way is working in the scholarship of teaching and learning with educational leaders at the UBC campus. Fabulous. Thank you. That was a really good introduction <laughs> and a little bit of knowledge about Canada as well. Um, can you tell our listeners um, a little bit about Sotil Canada? Because I know um, you're involved with Sotil Canada. So can you tell our listeners a bit? For sure. So yeah. Sotil Canada is actually one of the constituent groups, which is part of a larger organization. So in Canada, we have an amazing organization called the Society for the Teaching and Learning in Higher Education, or STLHE, STELI, depending on which part of the country you come from. Um, and it is... A long-standing organization um, that supports teaching and learning writ large across the whole country. Um, so it's outside of a particular institution um, and is a nonprofit organization. And Sottle Canada is one of the constituent groups within that. Um, and Sottle Canada as an organization is really about investigating teaching and learning for the betterment of, of student learning, right? To improve student learning. Um, and through the idea of scholarly inquiry about learning, teaching, and how to disseminate or make public our findings in many ways um, as an organization. So we have a relatively small uh, executive board, um, but we provide lots of opportunities for people to get together, uh, to have a community, to share uh, what they have been working on at a very local level, at a national level. Um, we're part of the national, as I said, part of the national organization. So we actually have our own stream at the annual conference, uh, which is coming up in June. And so the whole idea is to use Sottle not only to investigate our practices and to improve teaching and learning, but also to create this culture and community around investigating teaching and learning. Um, and so, you know, above all things, we're trying to advocate for people who want to do Sottle. Um, we're trying to include people who are, we call them Sottle curious, um, ah. those who are Sottle curious to, <laughs> to join our community. Um, we have a series of annual or monthly roadshows. So each uh, month, using the magic of technology now. Um, we have a digital event where we invite people to come and to talk about a particular theme. So we've done things like getting started, we've done ethics conversations, we've done um, work on methodologies and methods, which is often very ah. challenging for people in subtle. <laughs> um, we're, we're, we have an upcoming event on publishing um, and I'll talk, I can talk a little bit about CJ Sottle, which is our mm -hmm 
um, our journal. So it's primarily an advocacy and community group to support people who are interested in the scholarship of teaching and learning at all levels, from those who are novice and curious um, to those who are doing this as a major part of their job. Fabulous. I really like the expression subtle curious. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, do you want to talk about the related journals for a little bit or do you sure. want to move on to yeah sure I'll, I'll talk about that so um through the Sottle community in Canada we have lots of ways people are encouraged to disseminate right disseminating findings is a major part of the definition of scholarship um as it is with Sottle and so um there are two major publications that come out um, as a result under the STLHE Sottle Canada uh, umbrella. And the first is the Canadian Journal for the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning. And it's the official transdisciplinary peer-reviewed electronic publication um, for STLHE. <laughs> um, and I think that one of the things that's really interesting is that they take, and as it says, it's transdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. They are trying to encourage a wide range of people, educators, um, investigators, faculty members, admin, library, and developers, all of those people to be doing rigorous investigation into their practice, making sure that it's methodologically supported um, and that it is disseminated. And I think that one of the things that's really cool about both Sottle Canada and some of the things that STLHE is doing under the guise of, of the Canadian Journal for Sottle is that they are encouraging people to get things out there. And that, I mean, Canada is a huge country. Uh, we have usually one annual conference. Um, so it's hard for people to get together, although the technology has made it easier recently. And so an innovation that is being developed and studied at my institution at UBC is not necessarily readily accessible to those people at the other side of the country at Dalhousie University in Halifax and anything in between. And so I, I think that by using something like CJ Soddle, which comes out I think three times a year um, to engage in those kinds of conversations, to use something like Sottle Canada and our monthly roadshows to engage in these conversations um, is a really important part of, of what Sottle is about. The other journal, or it's a scholarly publication, let's call it, um, is the Collected Essays on Learning and Teaching. And it usually is associated with our annual conference. So they put out one a year. Um, and the idea is to sort of challenge conference presenters to convert their the, the session into an essay. Um, it has a wide readership. It is uh, open source. So it's all available through the University of, of Windsor in Ontario. Um, so it, it's another one that is both welcoming and supportive uh, mm -hmm. as people start to engage in investigations into teaching yeah. and learning. And then the third one is uh, what was local and has now, I think, gone into the United States is Transformative Dialogues. Mm -hmm. And as a publication, Transformative Dialogues is an amazing place to, to take your scholarship. Um, they are, they have both a wonderful supportive editorial board um, who helps people work through the process. And, and I, it was the first place that I published myself, um, my Sottle work. 
that I really appreciated how people were sort of um, helping me develop and support and make sure yeah. that it was rigorous um, for that first publication. Um, so these are all sort of um, journals and publications that are all associated with um, some of the work that's happening in teaching and learning, and it was specifically in Canada. Uh, thank you. Then it really reflects well the, the different stages of engagement you can have with subtle and the different complexities of, yeah. of the subtle projects. I think I've talked about with, with Anne in the last episode. <clears throat> so Fab, so these are the easy questions, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> now I have prepared some more complicated ones as well. Okay. So um for our listeners, um, what are your top tips for engaging with subtle? You can't see her laugh and shake her head right now, but that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, this is one of those things that I think that it's so challenging when people start to make that transition into the scholarship of teaching and learning because so many of them are, they're discipline experts, right? We are, we're taught and enculturated into a discipline and it makes us really strong in that area. But when we shift into the scholarship of teaching and learning, truly into the scholarship of teaching and learning and not necessarily discipline-based education research, we have to make a huge paradigm shift. And we have to say, if I'm letting this research being driven by a research question, then often the methods and methodologies that I use in my disciplinary work are no longer applicable. Um, I know we've, we've spoken about this a little bit in terms of how it is that people start to get into subtle and they automatically import the things that they used to do in their, their other work. And that's fine to get started. And I think that there's, there's two parts of that. One of the, the top tips is don't judge yourself <laughs> at the same standard <laughs> of your yeah. scholarship that you do for your for your disciplinary research because they, those are not you're a novice in one and an expert in the other. Yeah. Um, so giving yourself a little bit of gentleness when it comes to your engagement with Sodal, I think is really important. Yeah. But also use the resources that are available. And that was my that's my number one top tip is engage in a community. Um, there is a significant amount of research that has been done around community, communities of practice, small significant networks, um, you know, all of the things that have been coming out of Sweden and some of the things that uh, have been coming out of my own institution is that we know it's important to have people in your network that are there to help you, to bounce ideas off of you, to help you plan, to implement. So, you know, as you are moving from that expertise in one area to being a novice in Sottle, it's really helpful to draw on the people who either have done it before or have expertise in those other areas. And I think that that ties in with this idea that you also have to be comfortable with a little bit of messiness um, and that there's a little bit of fluidity in being a subtle scholar and being flexible. And sometimes there's different contexts and sometimes there's different disciplinary norms and sometimes there's different conceptions of research. Um, and what you do is you bring your expertise and your knowledge of your classroom and you bring um, your understanding of the learning learners in your discipline and then you design this research question and you use the most appropriate 
methods and methodologies to approach that. Um, and so, you know, sometimes that means, yeah, drawing on this network. Sometimes it means that you have to, you know, spend some time sitting with a textbook um, and learning a little bit more <laughs> yeah. about education research um, and social sciences research in order to say, actually, what I'm doing is an appreciative inquiry in this particular area. So, you know what? I got to learn a little bit about appreciative mm -hmm. inquiry because that's what the question is telling me, not what my background knowledge is telling me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think then my third thing is related to actually to what we were just talking about is think about your dissemination, not always being in the largest possible scale. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 my quote that I, my note that I put down here is disseminate locally and then louder. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of it. There's many levels of SOTL, right? And we know Nicholas Simmons has done some amazing work around micro, meso, macro, mega that's been picked up. Um, so we can start with micro disseminations. There's nothing wrong with that. That is still making your work public for review by others. Um, and that could be reviewed by your students. It could be reviewed by a colleague. It could be you know, the videotaping yourself and, and watching that, that is still a form of review. And then start to think about making it a larger or louder impact. Um, I think that people often say, you know, peer reviewed journal, that's the, that's the standard. But that goes back to this whole idea that if you are a novice, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not aiming daunting. for yeah. higher a publication in higher education when I am just entering into a new field, right? I am working my way up to yeah. that kind of, of dissemination. And I think that, you know, sometimes for many of us having a conversation, so a presentation, a panel, um, a roundtable presentation as your next sort of step beyond the local publication, then start talking about it more and do, you know, talking dissemination and then start thinking about putting your ideas together. Because in order to publish, you have to have a really good fluency in the literature. Yeah. You know, that lit review needs to be there. You need to have read things to be able to, to talk about that and to, and to understand that some of this work may have been done before. And mm -hmm. I think if people too quickly rush into publication, they don't necessarily have the anchoring in Sodal mm -hmm. and the traditions and history of Sodal that, that is there. And Sodal's been around for 30 years, right? Moving from Boyer forward. So we, there is a tradition. Um, there are well-known scholars that, yeah. that people refer to and, and those citations tell you the legacy, right. Or the, the, yeah. the way that people have come into Saddle. And that is really important in terms of mm -hmm. their, their framing. So my big, my big three was engage in a community. So a small, significant network, Often, if you have a community, it's easier to manage the messiness and the fluidity <laughs> of, of making that transition or working in a new field. And then start with your dissemination local um, and then start, start, start building louder. Fabulous. I like to start building louder and also be gentle with yourself. Um, oh, so, yeah. For instance, in our institutions, we have a subtle blog that enables colleagues to just experiment with their voice because a writing um, voice can be so amazing. different from your own discipline. And it can be yes. really challenging to just get your head around because it yes. feels it can feel awkward and strange and bizarre to write maybe in first person if you've never yes. done that before you know so yes yeah. and, the, and the, even the conventions <laughs> right that idea that you know in some disciplines you come forward with a hypothesis 
well, in Sodal generally we come with a research question. Yeah. Right. And it, and that is a that is also part of that paradigm shift to the mm -hmm. conventions of research. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's fabulous. So <clears throat> I told you the questions are becoming more difficult, right? <laughs> So you had the top tips with the messiness, being gentle to yourself, start small, get louder. Now, the next question I have for you is, you've done that, right? You've been gentle, you've started. So how do you actually move beyond that first subtle project? You know, beyond that, I've done a questionnaire with a bigger cohort, or I ran a focus group with my small seminar class. How do I get past that initial engagement? Yeah. And, you know, it's so, so I run, um, I'm the, the co-chair of a program for scholarship of educational leadership. So we take people who are doing SOTL um, at a local level and are moving towards educational leadership positions within the University of British Columbia. And one of the things I always talking about with them is how do, how do they keep going, right? How do they keep doing this work that is essentially in expanding um, impact. So they're often redesigning programs rather than redesigning their classes. And they're trying to encourage their colleagues to come with them. And, and so much of, of this question, I think, is, is part of that, right? So this idea that we, you know, when we're encouraging people to become and to keep going, I go back to the idea of the community. I really do think that having, having a community of SOTL scholars is really important. So using things like the blog, getting to know people's names who are doing this kind of work, having a little coffee chat with somebody about what they're doing and what they would suggest is actually, I think, really important because that's also who's going to suggest a different methodology or a different method that you might not have thought about. Um, you know, it's through my association with other SOTL scholars that I've learned about things, um, other methodologies like appreciative inquiry, yeah. which is really valuable for yeah. SOTL work. I, I, that is hugely valuable. And that was, you know, through my own engagement with others and saying, I'm thinking about this. And really at the heart of it is, you know, my concern about X, mm -hmm. how should I go about this? What is the ways of doing that? And you know, it was other people who recommended that kind of stuff to me. Mm -hmm. The next thing is, is thinking really hard about your research question. What is your question? Yeah. And I really strongly believe that that is what drives your subtle work. It's not the methods or methodologies that you're familiar with. It's the question. And you have to sometimes acknowledge that the way that you want to go about doing this investigation may not actually be best suited. For answering your question. Yeah, for answering your question, right? And like, I love conducting interviews. I love it. I love talking to people. Yeah. But it's often that may not be the best way to gather the information in a quick easy to engage with. So I have colleagues who are masters at surveys and those are the people that I work with them, right? And I think that that's, you know, you have to take some time to learn about the methods that you're using. Um, for example, <laughs> lots of people say things like, I'm going to use interviews, right? Or I'm going to, I'm going to talk to yeah. students. But there are lots of types of interviews. Uh -huh. and, and, you know, Sometimes the interview that you want to do is not actually the best one suited for the question um, or the purpose of the research or what you believe actually um, about 
research in general. And I, I hate to pull out the scary words of epistemology and ontology um, because often people don't love those. <laughs> they get, no, they get worried about them when we start pulling them into solo research. But I do think it's important to acknowledge where you come from and how you think knowledge is created. So if you believe that knowledge is dialectically created, <laughs> then we have to talk. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add effectively what Andrea suggests is think about what you believe about how we know something. If you yeah. don't want to use the big bad words, how do we actually know something? <laughs> yeah. Because I do think that that's a hugely important piece is that, you know, if you, like I said, if you believe that knowledge is, is built or created in conversation with other people, then I can't conduct a one-way interview. It has to be a conversational interview. It, it has to, because that's what I, that's how I think that things get, the information gets created. So sometimes that means that we have to spend some time thinking about these things yeah. before we actually get started. Um, <laughs> and I know that that's a really hard, that can be a really hard one. And that is a major hurdle. Um, and in my own work that I do with people to try and keep them engaged in the scholarship of teaching and learning, mm -hmm. That is a hard one, right? Because that's, uh, it takes time and often people feel pulled between their own disciplinary research and the research in this area. Um, and so they say, Ugh, my, my disciplinary research is what get, gets me promotion and tenure or it gets uh -huh. me a permanent position or it gets me advancement. So that's where I need to place my time. Um, and it's funny, I see people come to my program uh, <laughs> later after they've achieved tenure um, because they're like, oh, now I'm freed up to do the kind of research that I want, as opposed to um, what is valued within my, my institution. So I think that one's a really, that's a really challenging one. But it does also tie with this idea, my, my third one is how do you move beyond this, the, your basic subtle project is this idea of just keep going, being resilient and, and knowing ultimately um, that you, your impact, your inquiry has an impact that it impacts student learning. You can actually support students to learn better, more, all sorts of deeper things in your classroom. If you actually take some time, um, to do this kind of work. So I do see so much of a value outside of ourselves. Um, and I see value in my classroom. I see value in the classrooms of others um, at my institution, because yeah. if they keep going with this kind of work, it does actually have a positive impact mm -hmm. in teaching and learning in higher ed. Absolutely. I've, I've just been having a mentoring conversation with a colleague and I've been asking exactly these questions. It's like, what did it do? You know, and they've been involved in some seriously impressive subtle projects you know mm -hmm. and then I, I was asking so what does it do what was the learning how have you moved that learning forward yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. and I think that's that's the benefit in in the dissemination right is mm -hmm. is if we're tying with this idea that engagement in subtle goes all the way through to dissemination but it can be micro dissemination as, as well as macro mm -hmm. starting those conversations with even your colleagues in your discipline then they actually could potentially try out what your your finding was 
And that then also keeps you engaged because you're starting to see, well, you know, was it me? Was it the class? Was it the institution that supported it? Or is there more going on here? And, you know, that supports the, the learning at your institution, but you also then have the possibility of taking it to a local conference or a national conference. And again, people are picking up on those ideas. I think that we overlook the fact that so much of what is tacit knowledge in teaching and learning in higher ed was innovative learning or innovative thinking yeah. 20 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so when we, you know, talk about things like flipped classrooms and everybody's like, oh yeah, 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 no big deal. I know how to do that. That was groundbreaking at one point. That was somebody's <laughs> innovation. Yeah. Who knows your innovation could become the next piece of tacit knowledge yeah. um, around teaching and learning. Mm -hmm. But it's also it's something that that might be innovative in your context because yeah. um, didactics so the, the the teaching methods are sometimes very context or subject specific. Yeah. So you yeah. might introduce a teaching method which is in itself maybe not innovative, but it may be in your context as well. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that you know we so much of. Um, Lee Shulman talks about signature pedagogies within disciplines, right? And that some mm -hmm. that some have these ideas. And I, I think it's it's overblown. Yes, I agree with you. Um, but oh, yeah, I because I was making a face, that's why Andreas actually agrees with me. But I do think, unfortunately, some of those things do become they they continue, yeah. right? Yeah. Not because they're the right way to do it, but be, because that's the way we've always done it. Um, and there's a comfort in that because yes, it's, it's been yes. done so, so we know what works and what doesn't work and it's, it's right. a comfort zone to be in. Yeah. And I think about sort of like the apprenticeship model in medicine. I think about that idea, you know, you, you sit at the elbow of the master and you watch the master work until it's time for you to, to take over some of those things. That There's also, there was a huge pickup of uh, problem-based learning. Mm -hmm or case-based learning in, yeah. in some of the health sciences and health professions. And that was a brand new innovation <laughs> and they've kind of got stuck there. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so what is the next, how do we start moving beyond those kinds of innovations that a build on what you do really well, but also, you know, push this forward a little bit as well. Absolutely. So uh, the, so the top, three things of how you move beyond the first one you made a really strong point for community and i'm yes. sorry i swear i did not prime and tria to <laughs> see this <laughs> because of course i'm going to highlight the community we have at university of glasgow which has a very strong social community um you were also mentioning questions of being really careful how you develop your research yes. questions I'm plugging something here. <laughs> I um, I know that my students in the research course always, research methods course always struggle with this. So I developed a little monopoly question game of nice. how to develop nice. the research question. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's almost as if I told you to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and the third one was caring about your learners. Is that all? It's more that idea of just keep going. Keep I think going. you need to keep, keep going, going. That, that, that you do and you can tap into the community and you can connect with your students and all of those things because there is a real world impact. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that whether you want to say that as, you know, being resilient mm -hmm. and keep going or, or recognize the real world impact. Um, but 
you were trying things or you were working on things in your classroom and and if you were including your students in that conversation Uh that's also even more powerful because they actually feel involved in the process of designing their own learning Exactly. And that, that moves beyond that kind of, I always call it the uh, questionnaire interview focus group triptych. So it yep. moves beyond that triptych of methods. And, and it gives actually, I guess, your participants agency and voice and you're involving the learner. So you're talking about co-construction of knowledge and yeah. 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 And it goes back to that whole idea of like, what do you, how do you believe things? information is created how do you believe that knowledge is created yeah. if you believe that it's created in those kind of collaborative yeah. ways then we have to include our students because yeah. a they're the ones who are the learners and they mm-hmm. know their own learning best yeah. um and we know the discipline so why not meet together to do that that kind of work absolutely Mm-hmm. So the last question is the most difficult one. And I asked uh, Antony in the last interview the same question. So I'll be interested to see what, what you, to hear what you, what you think about it. Where do you think subtle is going? So I, this is, is a question I actually think about a fair bit. Um, because I do, I think that there have been some really interesting developments in the wider field of subtle. Um, especially when you look at the, where it comes from and um, where the spread is and who is getting involved in the scholarship of teaching and learning. Um, I think that there have been lots of new avenues of inquiry, mm-hmm. um, including my own interest in educational leadership and students as partners, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that it's really important at this point to revisit the heart of Sottle for theorization. Um, And now that we're approximately 30 years after Boyer and there have been varying waves of theorization, you know, 99, 2005, 2006, 2011, um, I think that we are overdue for a really good re-examination of uh, Sottle as a field Um, and the theory that we are using and engaging in some of those debates. about you know the discipline-based education place of discipline-based education research as opposed to the scholarship of teaching and learning and the place of education um, and social sciences research within um, the the field of Sottle. Um, I think that we are we've become so wrapped up in doing Sottle yeah. that we haven't thought about what we are doing. Um, <laughs> and I actually feel that that's that's the the place that I would like to see um, people spending some time is going back and and doing a little bit more theorization, mm-hmm. um, revisiting some of those sort of seminal works. Um, there was a fabulous article that was done a few years ago about the waves of Sottle, and I've really picked up on that um, metaphor. Uh, I love the idea of thinking about the waves. And I looked at the, you know, you know, 99, 2005, six, 2011, I think it's now it's time for the, the fourth wave. wave. <laughs> yeah. is about to crest and we really need to spend some time deep in there because, you know, we've got this bulk of people doing this work, but not necessarily investigating what underpins it. Um, and, and that's really where I think that we need to go. I think that that's the the future of Sottle for the next little while uh, so that we can 
then go on to do good saddle even more <laughs> that was a good finish thank you and and i agree that there, there needs to be and this is one of the biggest critique points i you you come across in the literature again and again is that lack of theorization around it yeah absolutely yeah 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 and especially as i think that the fields of higher education the fields of education research have continued to engage in these conversations but Sottle hasn't and 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 subtle is a is a multidisciplinary transdisciplinary yes. space but at the heart of that we do have to have some sort of central pillars i think mm -hmm. that that hold us up exactly i will leave this as your final word hold up the central pillars or first we need to identify them and agree on them and <laughs> not break out into yeah <laughs> um, but <laughs> that was fabulous thank you so much and uh, andrea is providing a lot of the links for the resources mentioned in today's podcast so they will be in the podcast description so fear not you will have access to them and thank you so much for your time and oh my pleasure that was great thank you